0: Rachel walked into the bathroom, rubbing her eyes. She looked at the scale and thought, Nah, not today. I want to be free of binge eating. I don't want that life anymore. She got ready for the day, but had this weird feeling. It was the first time she could remember that she didn't start her morning by stepping on the scale. And now it felt like there was a blank in her mind where she used to plug in her weight and get this idea of how she was doing. When she didn't have a weight to put in that blank, The question just kept nagging at her. Am I making progress? Clients often ask Mary Claire and I, what are the usual signs that someone is making progress overcoming binge eating? It makes sense to want to know how you're doing, so if you have wondered this too, perfect, because we're going to go through those signposts in today's episode. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary-Claire Brescia. In our Breaking Up with Binge Eating coaching program, clients ask this question in every cohort. They always ask "As what does progress look like? And that says to me that people think first of the concrete measurables. They want to know what they can observe. With weight loss, it's a lot more straightforward. You can look at how many pounds or inches you have lost. You can even put them on a chart if you want to. With binge eating recovery, however, there are also concrete indicators of progress. But I want to stress that how far you've come is mostly revealed in how you experience life, food, and your body. So, in addition to discussing what progress looks like, I want to discuss what it feels like as well. That way you can look for and feel your progress while you recover. Think of how a person recovers from depression. How can they tell whether or not they're making progress? First, we can look at their behaviors. Recovery might look like going out into the world instead of staying inside. It may be going out to see friends more often instead of isolating themselves. It may be more regular attendance at work or school. All of these changes we can see and even put on a chart if you wanted measurable data. But we would also want to know how their life experience is changing. If someone's depression is lessening, they may notice it feels different to be out in the world, like they're more a part of it. Thinking about the future probably also feels different. It seems more rich and open with possibility. They may also notice that it feels different to be around other people. And this is all the same with disordered eating. We can look at behavioral signposts as well as progress markers in your experience of life. I cannot stress enough that the way a person recovers from binge eating is going to vary from person to person. Some people stop binging cold turkey once they start coaching, but then a month or so down the road, it kicks in again and we start doing the real work. Some people find that the frequency of their binges tapers down from daily to six in a week, then five in a week, then four, and so on. Other people find that they have binges at the same frequency on a particular day of the week, for example, but the extent of the binge decreases. It does you no good to try and compare your journey to another person's recovery. It typically only makes you feel like you're going too slow or doing something wrong. So, keep in mind, every recovery happens at a different speed and pattern. What we want to look for is that we're going in the right direction. Two, recovery is not linear. It's commonplace to have periods of greater success and confidence where you can almost feel yourself shedding old habits and rising stronger. And then you have a period where you can't seem to get any of the skills working. It's kind of like being on a hilly hike. You go through uphill stretches and downhill stretches, and the difficulty of moving forward fluctuates. Remember this, because if you assume the difficulty should stay constant or decrease over time, you'll be upset when you hit the hard stretches. Expect the difficulty to vary week by week and day by day. Big goals take time. You can't see progress every day, but trust that the small changes you make accumulate over time into big differences in your life. Third, many times people only realize how far they've come after the fact. It's like you can't see the signpost until you've gone beyond it. We all get absorbed in our busy lives, and then one day a client will say, you know what, I haven't binged in quite a while. Which brings me to the fourth point. It's common to notice something like that and then immediately discount it by pointing out something else you haven't fixed yet. It sounds like, wow, I haven't binged in quite a while, but I'm still overeating and way too much chocolate. Try to fight that instinct and give yourself some credit. Be happy for the progress you made when you notice it. You aren't trying to be perfect. Right now, you're just trying to not binge. Let's lay out some of the progress markers that you can look for during your recovery. Progress marker 1. The severity and frequency of binge eating episodes. As I alluded to earlier, progress can be observed as more days between binges or less extreme binges. By less extreme, I mean stopping the binge earlier, essentially. Maybe you decide not to eat all the chips or kill the entire container of ice cream, and you're able to throw some food away at the end. That's progress. Progress marker number two, bouncing back faster. You may have had the experience of one binge kicking off days of disorganized, excessive eating. If so, progress can look like not letting the binge continue into the next day, just waking up and going back to your healthier routine. It also can dwindle to a number of hours or less than an hour before you get back to the business of living after a binge. The specifics don't matter, but definitely keep an eye out for your ability improving to get back on the horse in less and less time. Progress marker number three. Less food stress and worry day to day. When stress over food had the upper hand in my life, I remember making food decisions was incredibly painful and took me forever. Trying to find something for lunch, I would walk up and down aisle after aisle in the grocery store. I'd pick up a pre-made sandwich, and then I'd decide something was wrong with it, and I'd put it back. And then I'd pick up a frozen meal and be like, "Uh, no, I can't because of this reason, and then I'd put that back. It was like there was something wrong with every option, and none of them were exactly right. My indecisiveness was crippling, and I went through that every single meal, every single day. Progressively reducing food stress is one of those things that you have to feel. If you can easily make a food decision without a lot of debate and without a lot of worry, that's progress. If you used to feel like you had to count up exact amounts of nutrients and you're becoming more flexible and willing to eyeball things, that's progress too. If you weren't willing to eyeball your peanut butter, and you had to get out the measuring spoon or weigh it on a scale, but now you're willing to just scoop it out of the jar and put it on the toast. High five yourself. That is progress. Progress marker number four. Less extreme distress and emotion. And this is separate from food and separate from binging. I'm just talking about less extreme emotions overall. This is one that we coaches often spot in our clients' emails and in Facebook discussions. The emotional tone of a person's writing can go from stratospheric to more controlled and manageable. A really high distress piece of writing might include emotionally laden phrases like, I can't stop sobbing. I can't do this. I ruined it. I'm freaking out and I'm broken. A client in extreme distress will often write paragraphs without capitalization or punctuation, and I'm likely to notice that the email was sent at two in the morning or some other time when most of us would be asleep. They sometimes outright beg us for help, almost like they need a rescue. They feel desperate. Let me tell you, as coaches, we can feel our clients' emotions even through email. As clients go through our breaking up with binge eating curriculum, we practice skills to increase our familiarity with emotions and our ability to manage them. We help our clients develop an array of choices for what they can do with their feelings so they aren't stuck with the old two options, which were freak out and eat. It's so cool how people's writing changes. In just a few weeks, we hear much less emotional desperation. The same sort of events, which led to the panic slash sobbing slash broken words a few months ago, result in, man, I'm having a hard day, or this is a really tough situation, or I'm trying to figure out what my options are. This is one of those progress markers that's really easy to miss in the moment, but you can notice looking backward. Try and ask yourself, would a former you have been overwhelmed or in tears by a situation you can get through today with just some deep breathing? Are you coping better with adversity? Are you feeling less frantic and desperate, or are you feeling that way less often? These are valuable signs of recovery with emotional stability and resilience, and those characteristics directly correlate with binge eating recovery. Lastly, progress marker number five. I call this one the food and body spotlight. When we're in the depths of disordered eating, it's like a spotlight is being cast on body shapes and food. Everywhere we go, our minds are thinking, do I look fat or thin? What will I eat next? What is she eating over there? Are her thighs bigger or smaller than mine? Would it save a lot of calories if I pulled the fluffy middle part out of this bagel? When a person makes progress toward a healthy relationship with food and their body those thoughts don't predominate as much. They get mixed in with other thoughts, like, I bet that trail would be nice for hiking. Penguins are really quite charming, aren't they? I've never visited Spain, I wonder what it's like. And I love the way my daughter looks at me. We might think about our appearance when we look in the mirror before leaving the house, but then we move on and we think about the world, our jobs, the people we're talking to, projects, goals we'd like to complete, and aspects of ourselves rather than what we look like over of weight, shape, and obsession with appearance is a hallmark of disordered eating, and these reduce during recovery. So every minute or hour that you are not thinking about food or your body shape is another marker of progress. There are other markers of progress, of course, like adopting a balanced approach to exercise, willingness to be flexible with your usual food patterns, and enjoying a wider variety of foods but the five we've covered in this episode will give you a solid idea of the changes a person goes through as they break up with binge eating. Remember that your actions are what create progress, so spend most of your time and energy practicing skills and behaviors you want to strengthen. The progress will make itself apparent as time goes by. I'm Coach Georgie, and I really want to thank you for listening. We just started the podcast last week, and I'm amazed at how many people have tuned in. I'm truly glad to share this with you, and I hope you'll share it with someone else too.